turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And the main lesson of chapter 18 is each individual is responsible for his own character, his own behavior, his own actions, his own choices, and his own destiny in life. And the trouble the people of Judah faced, the troubles they faced were not the, not the result of the sins of the previous generation, they were the result of their own sins, their own choices. Personal responsibility is not something our culture emphasizes. Instead, you often see people trying to shift the blame for their choices onto others. In today's edition of Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan shares that Ezekiel 18 teaches you that each person is responsible for the things they do and say. Ultimately, you decide how you will respond in any given circumstance. That doesn't mean that things aren't hard or those choices are easy, but you alone are accountable to the Lord for how you live your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Chapter 18 presents one of the foundational great principles that we find in scriptures, a a principle about life, a principle that applies not only to believers, but non-believers as well. This is a principle for all people, and this is the principle in chapter 18 is personal responsibility, personal responsibility. Responsibility. That is the message, that is the theme of chapter 18, personal responsibility for ourselves. Uh, if you look at verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. So here is this proverb, or the saying that was very popular uh, among the people of Judah, among the people of Israel in that day. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. And this proverb was so popular in Judah in that day among the people, that it's also quoted by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29. Uh, We see the same sentiment of this proverb in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7. 
Uh, so what does this proverb mean? What, is it, what does it mean? The meaning of this proverb is, essentially, our fathers sinned, and we, their children, are being punished for it. We're being punished for our father's sins. Or to put it another way, we are suffering because of the sins of the previous generation. We are suffering because of the sins of the previous generation. The suffering that we are experiencing is not our fault. It's not our doing. It was the previous generation's sin that caused it. We are suffering for the sins of our father. The decisions that they made in the past has put us in the situation that we face today. And this proverb, this saying, this belief was uh, the prevailing belief of the day regarding the trouble that Judah was experiencing at the hands of the Babylonians and the Babylonians invading the land and conquering the land. This is how they explained the trouble they were going through as a people. We are in this trouble because of the sin of the previous generation. We're suffering because of what the previous generation did to us. And I think right off the bat here, one of the important lessons that we are reminded of here in this chapter is sometimes the popular belief in a society is wrong. This was the popular belief in Judah. This was the explanation for why things were the way they were among the people of Judah. And sometimes the popular belief of a society is wrong. Sometimes the popular narrative is false. It's not true. And I think for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to test everything we hear in our society, on the news, on social media, We need to test it against the word of God. You know, whatever we're hearing in the culture, especially in these days, as crazy as it is and as chaotic as it is, and there's so many messages, you know, and and we live in a time where the loudest voice is the voice that everyone's listening to. And we as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to test everything against the word of God, every viewpoint We need to ask, does this viewpoint align with the word of God? Does this reflect the truth of scripture? Or is it it just the the popular thing right now? Is it just the prevailing view? Or is it just that this sounds good? Or is it that, you know, this invokes emotion in me? This invokes passion in me? This gets me fired up? But does it agree with the Bible? Does it line up with Scripture. Don't jump on every bandwagon. We're Christians first. Our identity is in Christ. Everything else is a distant second. So don't jump on every bandwagon. Only jump on a bandwagon that agrees with the Bible. This proverb was popular in Judah. It was a protest. It was a complaint And this proverb, it reflected a victim mentality among the people of Judah. We're victims of our circumstances. We didn't do this. It's because of the decisions of our fathers. 
the decisions that they made before us that were in this situation. This thinking in Judah, it led to a, a spirit of resignation where they were just resigned to their circumstances. It led to fatalism. There's nothing we can do to change our circumstances. And most of all, it led to a spirit of just irresponsibility among the people of Judah. It's not our fault. It's someone else's fault. So we're not responsible. Somebody else did this. Someone else put us in this situation. We're not responsible for this. And people still use this proverb today. People still use this proverb today. Where they blame the previous generation for their circumstances. And blaming someone else goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? I mean, blaming someone else, shifting blame, shifting responsibility, it's as old as creation. In the garden, Adam blamed God and blamed Eve. God, it's the woman you gave me. Eve blamed the serpent. The serpent deceived me, and so I ate. Blaming others for our sin instead of taking personal responsibility is as old as mankind. And it's part of our sin nature. We need to recognize that. This is part of our sin nature that we received from Adam to to blame others and shrug off responsibility for our behavior and our actions. And the people of Judah believed they were suffering for the sins of the previous generation and they were accusing God of being unfair. This is unfair. This is unfair what's happening to us. Because of what someone else did, what a previous generation did. It's unfair to us. And in verse 3, God says, I don't want you using this proverb any longer. I don't want you doing this anymore. I don't want you blaming someone else. Don't blame the previous generation for your present problems. Don't blame the previous generation for your present problems. Look at verse 4. Look what God says. He says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. God begins his response here to this proverb by declaring an important fact. First, he says, All souls belong to God. All souls belong to God. God is the creator of every person. He is Lord of all over every human life. Every individual must answer to God for his own life, for his own actions. And he says, the soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. Here, you know, God is, is, and I want to make a point here too, just to clarify in this chapter, when he talks about death, he's, he's, he's mainly talking about physical death. He's not talking about eternal death or eternal life in this chapter. Of course, there is eternal life. There is a judgment to come, and the only way to escape the wrath of God that is to come, and that judgment is through faith in Jesus Christ. But here in this chapter, primarily, God is talking about physical life. He's talking about temporal life, our life in this world, this side of heaven. And the point that God makes here in verse 4 is he deals with us as individuals and we suffer the consequences or blessings 
of our own individual choices in life. Whether they're good or bad, we suffer the consequences of our own choices. And he says the soul that sins dies. Not, not because of the sin of his father, not because of the sin of a previous generation, but because of his own sin. Because of his own sin. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. And the main lesson of chapter 18 is each individual is responsible for his own character, his own behavior, his own actions, his own choices, and his own destiny in life. And the trouble the people of Judah faced, the troubles they faced were not the, not the result of the sins of the previous generation. They were the result of their own sins, their own choices. They themselves turned their backs on God. They themselves disobeyed God. They themselves chose not to walk in his ways, they rebelled against his commands, and so they suffered the consequences of their own choice. No one made them do that. They weren't forced to do that. They chose to rebel against God all on their own. Their circumstances had nothing to do with their father's sins. They were, were not victims of circumstance. They were not victims of circumstances beyond their control. They were not unfairly punished by God. The consequences they were experiencing in this life, in this world, was because of their own choices that they made for themselves. You know, I just want to share a few verses with you about this. Proverbs 13, uh, verse 15. It says, Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. It's talking about in this life. The way of the unfaithful is hard. And again, I want to acknowledge there there are exceptions to this, but generally speaking, (laughs) generally speaking, the way of the unfaithful is hard. It's difficult. It's a rough road. And and I I would say that that is true for a believer and it's true for a non-believer believer as well. We're talking about just kind of, you know, universal truths here that are true for everyone. If if a person chooses to live a life that that's contrary to God's word, it's contrary to God's morals, they are inviting hardship. Whether they're a believer or not, whether they know the Bible or not, if they're just choosing to live in a way that is contrary to what God says is the right way to live. They're just inviting hardship and heartache into their life or into her life. You know, in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, 
or verse 11, it says, Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for they will get exactly what they deserve. Person who lives a wicked life, they're going to get exactly what they deserve. And again, I'm talking about in this life, generally speaking, person who lives a wicked life gets exactly what they deserve. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And again, this is true for a believer or non-believer. This isn't just Christian principles. I mean, this is just like like a law, like the law of gravity. Gravity is true for everyone. Well, the, the law of sowing and reaping is true for, for everyone. It doesn't matter really who you are. It's just a universal truth. You reap what you sow in life. You reap what you sow in life. If, if you sow to your flesh, if you sow to your sin nature, you're going to reap corruption, it says. You're going to reap decay. You're going to reap death. But if you sow to the Spirit, if you, you live in a way that honors God, you will reap Everlasting life. Uh, Another verse, Psalm 37, verse 37. It says in Psalm 37, 37, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. Again, generally speaking, a person who lives a blameless life and who lives an upright life, that word upright, it, it literally means straight. They just live a straight life. There's nothing crooked about them. They just live a straight life, an honorable life. You know, they do the right thing. They do what they're supposed to do. It says the future of that person is peace. Just doing the right thing, trying to live a a, a right life, a straight life, a blameless life. The future of that person is peace. You, You avoid so much heartache and heartbreak and trouble by simply just living an upright life, a moral life. Do the right thing. Again, that's true for a believer or a non-believer. So we're not, we're not necessarily talking about somebody who's born again. Just you do the right thing in life. Generally speaking, you'll have peace in your life. Now, beginning in verse 5, all the way down to verse 18, God gives us an illustration of his point that he's making here in this chapter. And, and for this illustration, he speaks about three generations. First, he speaks about a righteous father who has a wicked son, and then that wicked son has a righteous son. So you've got three generations that he's going to use in this illustration. A righteous father, a wicked son, and then a, a righteous grandson. And by the way, Judah, the kingdom of Judah, actually had this happen among their kings. Hezekiah was a righteous king. His son Manasseh was a wicked king. And then Manasseh's son Josiah was a righteous king. So you had righteous, wicked, righteous. You know, one generation right after the other. And here again, this proverb that people believe that was popular opinion among the people of Judah was that we are suffering because of the sins of our father. Well, he begins here in this illustration by saying, well, what if it's a righteous father? 
And what he's doing is he is dismantling their proverb. Verse 5, he describes a righteous man. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right. And now he's going to describe what a, a righteous person looks like. Beginning of verse 6. If he has not eaten on the mountains, speaking of idolatry, the worship of idols, they would do it on mountaintops, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing, if he has not exacted usury, nor taken any increase or charged interest, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and and man. If he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he's just. He shall surely live, says the Lord God. So here with this first guy, he says he's right toward God and he's right toward his fellow man. He has a right heart towards God. He's not going after idols. And he treats his fellow man righteously, fairly, justly. Right? The two greatest commandments are love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This guy's doing it. He's just. And so God says, he shall surely live. And again, he's not talking about eternal life here. He's talking about this life, this temporal life. And one of the reasons we know he's not talking about eternal life is because eternal life is not obtained through through works or doing good deeds or treating people well. Eternal life is by grace. Ephesians 2, by grace you've been saved through faith and not by works. Grace is unearned favor. Salvation cannot be earned by our good works. It's It's grace through faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. So again, he's talking about in this temporal life, you know, here's a person that has honored God. They haven't worshipped idols. They've walked in God's ways. They've treated their fellow man. They've treated their neighbor righteously and justly. God says they're just. So they're going to live. And he's talking about their life here in this world. In fact, the word live in verse 9, it it means he will have life or he will live prosperously. Today we would say he's going to have a good life. Right? Again, just generally speaking, I know there's exceptions, but generally speaking, if if you do the right thing, you're a good person, you treat people kindly, you treat people fairly, you don't rip people off, you're just, you're righteous, We'll have a good life. Not a trial-free life, but just overall a good life because he chose to walk in God's ways. You know, God's commandments were not intended to restrict people's joy or people's happiness. You know, I think sometimes, I know sometimes, people view God's commands as, as restrictive You know, God's trying to keep me from being happy and doing the things I want to do. He's trying to hold me back with all of these rules and he's limiting my joy by all of these commands.
commands when actually the opposite is true. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and though he was faced with the difficult job of speaking hard truths, he also spoke of great hope. Even though the Israelites were constantly disobeying God, God was still faithful to them and offered a way of restoration. This is what Ezekiel so boldly proclaimed, and this is what God also offers to you. If you'd like to learn more about Ring of Truth, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You'll also find information about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. We have a heart for spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with, and all are welcome to come and worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday morning, we'd love for you to join us for a time of worship and Bible study. We'll study God's Word together and strengthen each other through prayer and fellowship. Come by and meet Pastor Dan and all of us here at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. For service times and location information, visit calvaryec.com or give us a call at 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join Pastor Dan as he shares more from the book of Ezekiel on the next edition of Ring of Truth. Rings true.